Welcome to the Kintsugi Hope podcast. It's great to have you with us. We are joined by some amazing speakers and experts who have experienced, like all of us, life's ups and downs. If you want to find out more about Kintsugi Hope, then please do head to the website kintsugihope.com. Hi everyone and welcome to the Kintsugi Hope podcast. It's great to have you back with us. We've had a little break but we're on to a new series now called The Truth About and today's episode is The Truth About Joy and Lament and we're here with the perfect person to speak about both those topics, um, Rachel Newham. Rachel, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi Jess, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Rachel Newham. I am the Mental Health Friendly Church Project Manager at Kintsugi Hope and I am an author and much a theologian um, and yes just enjoy lot, thinking around lots of things about joy and, and mental health. Amazing and so we're, we're obviously in we're coming towards the end of Lent um, which is what even is Lent because kind of as a teenager it was or as a young adult it was oh I'm giving up this for Lent and I never really knew why it also included pancake day which was obviously <laughs> Thing. but what is it because you've studied this and you've looked into it into the importance of it so tell us yeah so Lent basically is the period of time before Easter and it's a kind of a period of preparation before Easter and the reason it's 40 days it's not actually 40 days and um, it's 40 days minus the Sundays because Sundays are like mini Easter's throughout the period um but it's to remember the 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus spent in the wilderness being tempted and he fasted for that whole time um obviously we don't fast for 40 days straight um but he did and that idea that actually we are giving some often we're giving something up to to remember that Jesus fasted and to remember kind of I guess the discipline of that but also I think it's a way of, of preparing ourselves for Easter preparing ourselves for Holy Week it's the time to think about um holiness and you know right at the start as you said we have pancake day um which traditionally when people fasted for the whole 40 days um they used all the ingredients up to make the pancakes and um, so all the stuff that they had in their in their pantries and they would have whisked up to make their pancakes um, and then they wouldn't have then they would have fasted um now let's we just eat pancakes because they're nice um, but it's meant to be the starting point of Ash Wednesday is the the first day of Lent um, and it is about repentance it's about coming to God and saying we've really messed up um, but we are beloved in that um, and so people are have ashes the Palm Sunday crosses from the year before are burnt and the ashes of those are people are marked with a, um, a cross on their foreheads um, at an Ash Wednesday service to remember actually the finitude of life that we all die but also that we were created from dust and um, there's that beautiful kind of both and we all end up as dust but also that the amazingness that we were created from dust by God um, and that actually we we return to God knowing knowing that we are nothing and everything all at once knowing that you know we are utterly completely loved but also we mess we mess up quite a lot wow so it seems quite seems quite a religious thing like it has a lot of a religious history and quite an ancient practice obviously that dates back right to biblical times when you know with with the fasting and obviously thank goodness we don't have to fast for 40 days now yeah. um that is that's definitely something to be thankful for um 
so where does it kind of fit into everyday life um because obviously there's there's this there's this christian calendar um that some of us will be very familiar with some of us will kind of not really see it as very relevant or something that maybe certain sections of the church um abide by but how does lent because i know it's not just a period of time in the christian calendar it has a lot to speak about like a daily rhythm um so how does how does that work so it's interesting because probably before the before 20 before 2020 really i had no real thought about the christian calendar i grew up in a um, kind of quite a a Baptist church which we you know we obviously celebrated Christmas and Easter um but I didn't really think about the wider church year um but I joined an Anglican church probably about seven years ago um and I noticed actually that there was this 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 overriding rhythm throughout the year that actually there are periods of time in the Christian calendar that are ones of great celebration and jubilation but also ones of reflection. And as I began to look at it more, I saw that the periods of celebration are always preceded by a time of reflection and um, a quieter time and a, a, a time of real raw honesty. And I think growing up with depression and men mental illnesses, I always really struggled with the jubilation and the kind of, yay, everything's great of Christmas um, and Easter Sunday. But I found great comfort in the the times of at the time of advent before christmas that actually is about waiting in the dark for for life to break through and then the period of lent where you it's it's almost a period of grieving i think it's a period to say you know the world is not what it should be life isn't fair but god is good and god is still god even though life sucks sometimes um and actually over the last few years, I've, I've really come to appreciate that if we're going to be able to be mental health friendly, if we're going to be able to do community really well, we almost need to embrace these seasons so that we practice joy and lament um, throughout the year. So, you know, we, we, we might not have anything that we're waiting for, but we practice waiting during Advent so that when people around us are going through it, we, we kind of know what it feels like and know what to say. Um, we all celebrate together as a community and that's great and then we come to this time of, of, of Lent and we do it again and we say you know God I, life doesn't make sense um faith doesn't make sense a lot of the time um but you've crafted this this rhythm for us and I think that in that sense we have it's a real gift and there are also these times kind of in between called ordinary times, which no one ever talks about because they're just ordinary. Um, but that's the sense that, you know, our lives aren't just made up of the high highs and the low lows. They're also made up of the just boring days um, and God's in it all. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of looking at it, actually. And I think you're right. Having been brought up in church myself, actually, like you get very used to the celebration moments and the Christmas and the Easter and the Palm Sunday and you associate um, the more traditional parts of church with cele celebration. Yeah. Actually, I love the the way that you spoke about that, like even in the ordinary times, like even when we're doing the laundry and the washing up or staying up late, you know, to feed a child or whatever it is, there's God's in that. and. Mm. 
he's still like whispering to us with whatever we're doing. Um, and you've written a book about kind of, you've, I can see it behind you, beautiful book. Um, and shining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally shining in the, in the light there. Um, and it, spe- it goes through the Christian calendar and looks at those, those two kind of, or those three periods of times, so the joys, the laments and the ordinary times. Um, how have you found kind of learning about that? Has it, has it impacted your, your daily life in any way? Yeah, I think since writing it, I've definitely become more intentional about the seasons, um, both kind of the Christian season, but also the actual seasons, you know, winter and summer, and, and that sense that we live in a world where we can get anything at any time. Um, but nature teaches us that actually, you know, we're not meant to be going full throttle all the time. Um, winter is meant to be a time of rest. There's a reason, you know, the fact that it's darker for longer means technically we should be sleeping for longer. Um, we should be resting more. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, everything dies in autumn is, is a reminder. Um, and yet in that, there is still life. Um, uh, author Catherine May, who wrote a book called Wintering, says that actually winter is not the death of the life cycle, it's its crucible. And actually, I found that so poignant thinking about, you know, Good Friday um, and Easter and, and, you know, Good Friday, the death of Jesus is is not the end of the life cycle. It is its crucible. It's where it begins to be reborn. Um, but there's a real value in recognising the seasons and and kind of even days like um remember, like marking the baptism of Jesus and candle mass which happens um in February which remembers when Jesus is presented at the temple um have ju- I've just found it really helpful to have a bit of a shape to my faith and um, kind of things to hold on to um when everything is chaotic actually having those kind of just set things that I'm not being really rigid about and I'm not you know feel beholden to but actually I've just found it a real gift that this journey and through the church year gives us the opportunity to explore all of our emotions um in a way that we don't often in in the rest of life yeah and I think when I found that out for the first time that God was interested in the good bits but also the bad bits, the hard bits, the painful bits, the bits that I wanted to run away from. That was just like life-giving. And I don't think I realized that until I was in my like early Mm twenties. So I'd spent a lot of my kind of, you know, early faith journey really just coming to God or thinking he was only interested when things were going great or when I was achieving his purpose for my life or, you know when I was making decisions that were really faith-filled or whatever whatever that means you know but I I found a huge freedom in that and I think I want everyone to kind of know that as well really is that if you have a faith or maybe you're on a faith journey or you know or you've been a you know maybe you've had a faith for a long time that actually God's interested in your everyday um and I think that's just such a powerful thing um, but there's a real tension, isn't there, Rach, when it comes to from from joy to lament is I think we often within church circles, we often we do we do pay a lot of attention to the celebration because, you know, it's 
we almost associate it with time to give God glory um, for all that he is and all the good stuff. And then almost the fact that when we are struggling, it's like, oh, we don't want to complain too much because we don't think God, we don't want God to think we're moaning or that we're not like grateful for all the good things or, you know, that we don't recognize that there are people that have it much worse than us. Mm. Um, so how do we, what is lament? Because uh, it's not necessarily a word we hear every day. It's obviously different from kind of like moaning and complaining, but how is it different? And I guess, yeah, explain that to us. So I guess the simplest explanation I have for lament is it's bringing what hurts before God. It's just bringing, you know, our pain, our anger, our frustration, our shame um, before God and and not, you know, everyone's good at moaning we we all do it a million times a day but there is a difference between us us just venting and doing it in the presence of God who meets us in it and that might mean that he changes our circumstances more often than not it means he changes something in us um but I think we've had a real lack of lament in in the church um 40 of the psalms are lament psalms um there is a whole book called lamentations and yet often we only pick the one vaguely hopeful um, verse in the middle that says yet I have hope um and I think it can mean people feel really isolated in their pain um we have this misunderstanding I think that you know to be full of the joy of the Lord as that kind of phrase goes is that means that we have to be happy all the time but when I was writing the book, actually, I spent a lot of the time, lot of time reading the book of Nehemiah, which is the book that that verse, um, you know, do not grieve, be full of the joy of the Lord. And actually, before that, um, the main guy, Nehemiah, spends four months weeping over um, the walls, the broken walls of the city of Jerusalem, which he'd never even been to. Um, and so there's this whole story of grief and work and struggle that comes before he says, do not grieve. And what he's actually saying is, you don't have to grieve your sin anymore. Um, you, you're here, and now is the time to celebrate what God has done for us. You don't have to stay in that, that place of shame anymore. Wow. I just think, when, you, when we widen that out and see, actually, it's not a command never to grieve or be sad. It's a command. It was a command for that specific people at a specific time. Um, and I think we do that a lot with scripture. You know, there's a verse in Colossians that says, do not grieve. But actually it says, do not grieve like those without hope. So it's not saying don't grieve. It's saying grieve, but grieve with hope. And I, I think lament grieves with hope because it is raw and it's honest and it doesn't sugarcoat stuff. But it also doesn't neglect the fact that God is with us in it. And lament, I guess, isn't just a selfish thing, right? It's not It's not going, oh, woe is me. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a lament like a, we can bring things that hurt before God on behalf of other people. Like, you know, all we have to do is turn on the news and see another thing that breaks our heart. And I think there's a lot of people, definitely a lot of people kind of within my life that are really questioning their faith because of everything that's going on in Syria and Turkey and other places that have just, you know, just seen huge amounts of of loss and just despair. Yeah. But actually, it's not just a 
oh, this is what's going on in my life, therefore I'm going to lament about it. It can be a real, it can be a joint thing, can't it, on behalf of other people? Definitely. And again, scripture teaches us that actually lament is a communal thing. It's something we do as a community, as well as our individual laments. We're, it's not an either or situation, it's a both and. Um, and being able to say, to lament to God that actually the world isn't as it should be. Um, and people are suffering and often the poorest people are suffering and it's unfair. Um, God, what are you going to do about it? God, where are you in this? And knowing that actually we can ask those questions and that's okay. God doesn't shy away from our, our questions, from our frustration with him and actually he welcomes it. He welcomes, he would much rather us say, God, where on earth are you? What, what do you think you're doing? than us not speaking to him at all. Mm-hmm. I think communal lament gives us a chance to all come together and because we all have, you know, we all have stuff. <laughs> Whether it's the, you know, headline stuff of bereavement and war and all of that stuff, but also just the stuff that we deal with in our inner lives, in our families, in our in our own heads. Um, and I believe that, you know, kind of going back to the seasonal thing, like spending time in Advent, spending time in lament as a church saying, God, the world is so far from what it was meant to be. Where are you in it is a really powerful thing. Um, I've heard of people doing blue Christmas events, um, which I absolutely love that actually you can, you know, in in the midst of of the happiest season of the world, the most wonderful time of the year, um, we say God didn't wasn't just born in a stable so that we'd have happy lives he was born to be god with us to be emmanuel throughout throughout it all um and again then in in lent saying particularly in holy week i think holy week is is the the crux of lament i as i see it jesus experiences um so that's the week before um jesus dies he experiences every human emotion um you know he he rides triumphantly through um jerusalem on a donkey which again is is quite odd um but it's a time of jubilation um, and then he weeps over his city he um gets angry in the temple um he's betrayed by his friends and then he's crucified um but he remains connected to the father in that and he prays in that he doesn't shy away from the hard stuff you know when he's in um the garden of gethsemane the night before he dies it, scripture talks about the fact that he sweats blood um but as he's doing that, he's talking to God um, on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's not a shiny, happy prayer of praise. Um, but it's that honesty that if Jesus is that honest with God, we can be too. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, so this podcast is going to go out the end of March. So we'll be heading into like before Easter Sunday what is what's that period about and I guess what would you want to leave people with to ponder over um in that last little bit of this bit of the Christian calendar yeah I think I think it's take holy week so that week before Easter that starts on Palm Sunday um and allow yourself to grieve um allow yourself to grieve in your churches allow yourself to to perhaps you know not shy away from the stuff in your life that really hurts and whether that means um you know in your prayer life or by chatting to your friends or um actually coming together as as friends and say 
God, we don't get you. Um, help us. I think it's a real, a real opportunity to, I guess, stand up in the face of despair, um, not by denying that it is despair, but by saying, even in this despair, there is hope because Jesus went here first. That's lovely. And I was just thinking, actually, I, was, I thought that was going to be my last question, but I've thought of one more, um, which is, I guess, um, how can we encourage or like lament or explain lament or not necessarily use that word, but kind of articulate the process of, of grieving what we've lost, but knowing there's hope still with people who don't know Jesus or don't have a faith? How can we be good friends and family to those that are going through really tough stuff, but kind of sit with them in that? And yeah, how do you think we can do that? I think the most important thing is that we don't try and rush them. Um, so often when we hear about somebody's pain, our immediate reaction is to, well, at least you can, you know, you know, somebody, you know, has a miscarriage, you say, at least you can get pregnant. Or, you know, somebody's really struggling with their kids, and you say, well, at least you have kids. And actually, that's a real denial of what somebody's facing. Yeah. Um, and so instead, it's just about listening and saying, that that's rubbish. Um, sometimes I think just being able to be a presence, be somebody who, who listens to what somebody's saying and doesn't try and rush in with a fix, doesn't try and rush in with you know, uh, an illustration about why this will be, we'll be thankful for this in the end, but just says, that's really rubbish. How can I serve you now? Um, whether that's being shoulder to cry on or like something more practical, um, but just allowing people to feel what they need to feel um, without rushing them and knowing that they are loved however they feel. Um, you know, we love them as as friends when they are really happy and bubbly, but we love them just as much when they're when they're crying. And that's what true love is. It loves through it all. Wow, thank you, Rach. So much wisdom there. And I think, yeah, has made me appreciate this this kind of season that we're in a lot more. Um, so thank you. Um, yeah, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us at the Kintsugi Hope podcast. It's been great to have you with us. If you want to find out more about this amazing charity that creates safe and supportive spaces for those that are experiencing social isolation or poor mental health, then do check out the website kintsugihope.com. We'll see you on the next episode.